Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So um, this evening, uh, the topic and the, the sutta and teachings I want to offer and uh, share with you is uh, the story about when there was a major divisiveness in the time of the Buddha in the Buddha's community. So if you're having some kind of frustration about how much divisiveness there is these days in our country and in the world, uh, you might find some little comfort knowing that even in the Buddha's community, there was divisiveness. Uh, and uh, It's a very interesting story and maybe we can learn something to uh, apply to today. Uh, but to start us off, um, Eve, would you offer a song to us? Yes, thanks, James. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so divisiveness, um, maliciousness, um, uh, you know, harsh speech, all that stuff, so common. And um, the, the basic teachings of the Buddha, like sort of our, our go-to remedies in Buddhism have to do with clarity and compassion and um, clarity about what's, what's, what's really happening for us, what really are our motives and compassion for ourselves and for others. And um, we have practices to help us deepen these things so that it's not just dogma and discussion, but we actually on the spot can call up mindfulness and care. And one of those practices, as we all know, is the practice of loving kindness, the loving kindness phrases, um, just really simple wishing ourselves and others well. And we just, and what's so cool about that is that the Buddha taught that and it's been practiced for all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years in this tradition. Um, and now new, neuroscience shows that the part, the part of our brain that is about care and connection is a different part of the brain than the part that fights and rages and criticizes and resents. It's a different part of the brain. It's part of the prefrontal cortex rather than done in the limbic system. And we can really strengthen it with these practices so that it becomes a part of who we are more and more. I mean, it is always already hardwired, but we can deepen and widen it with these practices. So um, lots of people have put the loving kindness phrases to music um, or sing it to their own tunes. I've put loving kindness phrases to two different melodies. This is one of them. And these are the longer phrases. These are still the traditional phrases. May you be safe, may you be peaceful, may you be healthy, may you live with ease, which are the traditional phrases, but the long versions. So. May you be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. May you be truly happy and deeply peaceful. May you be healthy and strong and physically at ease. May you take care of yourself and live with the ease of well-being. So that, that, those are the words put to music. And um, also you may know with loving kindness phrases, we do different categories of beings beginning with the self. So we'll do, may I be safe? And then we'll go to you, may you be safe. And as we say that, you can wish it out to whoever you wish. And then we'll move on to may we be safe. And I often like to just let my imagination roam the earth when we're singing or saying, may we be safe, may we be peaceful and offer the phrases out to wherever they land, all beings. Mm -hmm. The melody repeats, so if you catch on or if you've heard this before, please sing along with me. May I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm. May I be truly happy and deeply peaceful. May I be healthy 
healthy and strong and physically at ease may I take care of myself and live with well-being again may I be safe and protected from inner and outer harm may I be truly happy physically at ease may I take care of myself and live with well-being moving to may you may you be safe and protected from inner and outer harm may you be Okay, so this topic of uh, <clears throat> divisiveness um, in the time of the Buddha, the story uh, behind it is called the Quarrel at Kosambi. I'll put Kosambi in the uh, in the chat box. Um, and uh, I'm using this book. It's a book you might enjoy checking out. This is called uh, The Life of the Buddha by Bhikkhu Nyanamoli. And I'll put his, uh, his name in here, Nyanamoli. Whoops. And um, what, what he did was tell the Buddha's life story, but using a lot, all the suttas, weaving in the suttas to, um, and the teachings from the Pali Canon to tell the story. Uh, and this is from the chapter of the quarrel at Kosambi. Um, this also is found in uh, um, one of the Majima Nikaya, uh, suttas, Majjhima Nikaya, the middle length discourses. This is Majjhima number 128 has this, has part of the story of the, of the quarrel at Kasambi and also some famous lines by the Buddha, which you will probably recognize. So this all happened in the ninth year of the Buddha's um, teaching dispensation. He was enlightened at 35 and taught for the next 45 years. And he died at the age of 80. So this is, this happened, you know, relatively earlier on in the 
uh, in, in his teaching dispensation. Um, it's interesting, by the way, to note that there were no rules for monks or, or nuns for the first 20 years. But after 20 years and for the rest of the 25 years of, of his teaching, when somebody would do something really off or stupid, he'd make a rule. And they ended up with 227 rules that a monk uh, agrees to. Uh, so you can just imagine if that there were a lot of stupid things that happened to get all of those rules. Even when you become a monk or a nun and you put on robes and say, okay, I'll live the holy life, still your humanness will come through. Ah, we need a rule for this. But this is before there were uh, there were all of these rules, but there, this story is about one particular agreed upon um, rule that, um, that was the, the backdrop for the whole story. Mm -hmm. So the Buddha was at Kasambi and, um, and it starts out uh, with two uh, very well-respected monks in that, that Sangha at the time. One of them was, um, was a master or knew all of the, the right way to do things, the master of the Vinaya and the, the code of proper conduct and all. And the other was, um, was the, one of the leading experts in the discourses, the teachings of the Buddha. So the, the guy who was the discourse master, he, it starts out that he goes, he goes to pee and he leaves some water in, the, uh, in his uh, pee pot, so to speak. And he didn't, he didn't know, he didn't realize, but there was actually some kind of agreed upon conduct rule, this is before the 227, uh, that said, you're not supposed to leave water in, uh, in your pea pot. And the, the master of the, uh, of, of the code of conduct, he says, hey, did you leave water in your pea pot? And the, uh, the discourse master says, oh yeah, I guess I did. And the the discipline uh, master says, you know, that was, that's an offense. You're not supposed to leave any water in the peapot. And the discourse master said, oh, um, I didn't realize it. Um, and I didn't know. And the, the code master says, well, since you didn't know, it's not an offense, but it, I want you to know it is an offense. And the discourse master says, oh, okay, now I got it. So he goes back, the code master, the Vinaya master goes back and tells his students, hey, you know that hotshot discourse master? He committed an offense and he didn't even, he didn't even know it, but he committed an offense and his students hear about this and they go to the students of the discourse master and say, your teacher committed an offense. And they went a little further. He should probably be suspended. The students of the discourse master says, our teacher would never commit an offense. You must be uh, you must be wrong. Your teacher, they said, our teacher said this. And, and they say, your teacher is, is lying. Oh, they go to, they go to his, uh, to the, to the uh, discourse master and they say, hey, they're saying about this, that, that you've committed an offense. And the teacher says, I didn't commit an offense because he's thinking, well, I didn't know about it. So it's not offense. And he says, 
He's lying if he says I committed an offense. So they go back to the discourse, the uh, Vinaya master and says, that guy called you a liar. Now, that was the, the spark that lit the whole, uh, the whole flame. And he says, he called me a liar. That guy should be suspended. So they then really go at it. And there's tremendous anger and they're each calling their other teacher a, a, a liar or um, uh, just uh, an awful monk. And it gets so bad that the Buddha gets wind of this and he goes and he says, hey, you guys, cool it. I'm just going to put it in modern vernacular. You know, why are you fighting? You know, and they say, hey, just leave it to us. Leave this. We've got, we want to settle this for ourselves. And there's the proverbial three times that they say that he says, hey, just, just chill. Just come on. This is not worth fighting over. And the third time they say, basically, leave this to us. You, you go do your own practice. And with that, the Buddha, in one of the few instances that this happens, it's, I always try to imagine what it was like. He just says in his own way, basically, I give up. Who cares about these guys? And I, I've often wondered what it would look like for the Buddha to, to be disgusted, but that's kind of the basic idea. And he says, I'm out of here. So he takes his bowl and his robes and he, he says, see you later. I'm going off to meditate. I'll leave this to you. You don't want me to, to try to uh, make it, uh, settle it. Okay. I'm just out of here. So he goes to the jungle and he decides to have a, a period of meditation, uh, for himself. And in the jungle, as the story goes, there's an elephant, what's called a Tusker elephant. He was like the chief of the elephants who, according to this story was going through the same thing with his elephant clan, they were fighting and he left and just decided to be alone in the jungle. You can take this on whatever level you want, metaphorically, I, uh, you know, I, that's how I take it. And in, anyway, in the, the retelling of the story, the Buddha says, oh, you and I are, are one. I'm like a Tusker elephant all by uh, as well. I don't need anybody around. I love my solitude. So he's, he's in, in this way practicing for himself for some time. And then he decides to, uh, to do some traveling. And on his, uh, on his route, he comes across three other monks that are not from Kosambi, that are one of them is one of his uh, uh, most beloved disciples, Anuruddha, who's living with two other monks. And uh, he says, um, and they greet him. They say, oh, thank you for coming. And he says, hey, I want to ask you, how do you guys get along? You seem to be in a, in a pretty good space, just taking good care. And do you have a, any quarreling? And they say, oh, no, no quarreling at all. And there's this famous phrase. They say, we're like milk and water blended so well you can't even say, see whose is whose. And he says, how do you do that? And Anuruddha and the other two say, well, when we see that one of, one of us needs something, we anticipate that and we happily go get it for them. Or when one comes back from alms round and has food, they lay it out for, for the others and then the last one to eat, they clean up after the others. And they, they say, like this, we live in harmony and it's so wonderful to be together. So the Buddha actually 
is somewhat relieved and says, oh, it's nice that's, that some people know how to get along. And, uh, and then he goes continuing his practice, but then it turns out that um, the guys at Kosambi, they stop getting their alms food because the people have got wind of this and they said, oh, you drove the Buddha away and you're just fighting with each other? you don't deserve alms food. And that starts getting them to thinking, whoa, okay, we, we've, got to, uh, we've got to take care of this. Also, Ananda and the other uh, monks in the, um, in the uh, Sangha who aren't quarreling, they're missing the Buddha and they're saying, we want, some, uh, we want some teachings. Let's go to the Buddha and ask him to come back. So the Buddha comes back and things are okay for a while, but then these monks from Kosambi come back to where the Buddha is now at Savati uh, at Anattapindika's park. Uh, and, uh, and they hear, Ananda and everyone hears that the monks are coming back and they say, Lord, they're coming back. Both factions are coming back. What should we do? And the Buddha first says, keep them separate from each other so we don't have any, any trouble. Give them gifts, feed them, but just keep them separate. And then one of the discourse master comes to the Buddha and says, you know, I didn't realize that I was committing an offense, but I did commit an offense unknowingly, but I committed it and I'm truly sorry. And then the Vinaya guy comes and he says, you know, he did commit an offense, but he didn't know it. And I shouldn't have spoken ill will of him. And I'm truly sorry. And with that, the Buddha says, anyone who sees the error of their ways, unless they've committed, there are four acts that are irreversible where you're expelled from the Sangha and you are heading down uh, a bad path. One is uh, um, having intercourse. Another is, uh, I think, killing your mother. There's one, killing your parent, killing a Buddha, and I forget the fourth one. But short of, short of that, if somebody sees the error of their ways and they um, ask for forgiveness, they're taken back into the Sangha. And, and so they are, and everyone lives happily ever after, at least for a little while. And then there's these famous uh, lines by the Buddha, which is in this sutta number 128 from this quarrel at Kasambi. And he says, I'll read to you the, the passages uh, and some of this you'll, you'll, you probably will recognize. He says, when many voices shout at once, None considers himself a fool. Though the Sangha is being split, none thinks themselves to be at fault. They have forgotten thoughtful speech. They talk obsessed by words alone. Uncurbed their mouths, they bawl at will, and none knows what leads them so to act. And here's the, some famous lines. He abused me, he struck me, he defeated me, he robbed me. In those who harbor thoughts like these, hatred will never be allayed. That is, oh, they did this to me. And then, for in this world, hatred will never be allayed. For in this world, hatred is never allayed by further acts of hate. It is allayed by non-hatred. This is the fixed and ageless law. And often the translation is, hatred never ceases by hatred. Hatred ceases by love alone. This is an ancient and eternal law. It's one translation that's 
um, that's commonly used. So just reflecting on a, a few a few thoughts and then I wanna open it up to how uh, we can use this in our own um, contemporary life. So first, when, when somebody is, uh, is seeing the error of their ways and they ask for forgiveness, according to the Buddha, you let them back into the community. Or as uh, Neem Karoli Baba says, he's behind me here, uh, don't put people out of your heart, especially if they can see the error of their ways and they are truly um, contrite. Don't harbor a grudge because you're the one that suffers that famous image of it's like holding on to a hot coal and wanting to hurt somebody else and you are the one getting burned by it. And so that's something for us to consider when somebody has really um, caused us harm through unskillful action and they see, they understand that they were confused and sincerely ask for forgiveness, um, then this is a time to open up your heart to them. And if you are the one who has, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, caused harm to another, if you see your part in it and you are truly sorry. It's not an easy thing to do to admit our mistakes. And often there's a dynamic, a dance between two people. It's rarely just one person uh, or one person reacting after the initial act. But if you can, in a very sincere and vulnerable way, um, admit that you've, you were off, that you were confused, that you didn't see clearly. And without expecting forgiveness, I think we talked about this recently, if you're saying, oh, I really blew it, please forgive me, in a way that's almost asking somebody to be generous when they might not be ready to. But if you say, I, I usually, you know, recommend saying, I'm truly sorry and not expecting anything, perhaps you might say, in time, I hope you can open your heart. But right now, I just want you to know, I'm truly sorry. There's something in that vulnerability that touches another person's heart. And uh, just recently in, uh, in this program that I'm, that I'm involved in, uh, there were some guidelines uh, to a skillful apology. And I thought I'd share them with you. Here are, I'll put them in the chat box, four guidelines to a skillful apology. This is modern day. This isn't from the Buddha's time. One is, if you really see that you contributed to this, number one, if you're able to, especially if you're wanting to wake up and grow, is you thank the person for being willing to let you know their experience if somehow you've caused harm or uh, caused upset to somebody and they say, hey, I need, to, I need to and want to clear something with you, 
you might not have had a, a negative intent, but the impact was there just the same. And so if you can be big enough to say, oh, thank you for letting me know, because if they don't let you know, uh, they're just going to be feeling resentful and, um, and you have no idea and can't learn from that. So first, thank the person for being willing to let you know their experience. This might not be always so easy, especially if they're really triggered and very upset. But if you can be big enough to say, oh, thank you for letting me know. I've been in this position many times after I've given a talk or done something unwittingly and somebody says, hey, I want you to know that something landed for me that, that really, that didn't feel good and hurt. And I've learned over time to just start out by saying, oh, thank you for coming up and letting me know. Because I want to know, I want to learn. I don't want to repeat those mistakes unwittingly. So that's one. Two, sincerely apologize for any hurt that you may have caused. And it's the sincerity that touches somebody's heart. And there's all kinds of ways of apologizing. You know, you can, you probably have been on the receiving end, especially maybe if you are around teenagers or somebody saying, sorry, you know, but not really meaning it. It's all about the energy that you're coming from in your heart. And if you can get in touch with, oh, I'm really sorry. There's something magical about that energy that people can feel that's very different than saying, okay, sorry about that. Um, so that's number two, sincerely apologize for any hurt that you may have caused. Number three, let me put it here in the chat box. Let them know what you've learned and that you'll take their feedback to heart. And in the future, doing it differently. Let them know rather than, oh, okay, I'm really sorry. It's, oh, I'm growing through this. And I really hear what you say, what you're saying. So that's the third. And then the fourth is make a commitment to do it differently. Make a commitment to yourself and to the other person. I intend to use this and I will be doing it differently in the, in the future. Thank you. And when somebody hears that, it's like their heat goes down, they feel understood and heard. And um, there's a possibility of true uh, growth and connection. And just for those who are interested, I want to put into the chat box two articles on accountability and skillful apology that, um, that you might find interesting about how to give a good apology. It's part one and part two. So there's the, the links to that. So now we can take some time, maybe before we open it up to a, a conversation, uh, just take some time and in your own life, just uh, you might reflect for a moment and see if there's any unresolved stuff between you and, and someone else that is either weighing on you something that you've uh, that you've done knowingly or unknowingly or something that someone else has done to you 
we we do things because we don't see clearly. So I invite you to um, just reflect on this and see the the pain that comes from that disconnection. We can go both ways. Just first, if there's something that you've done that's been less than skillful. Just imagine doing, um, making amends like this. The courage that it takes to be vulnerable and say, hey, I want you to know that I'm truly sorry. And I value our relationship enough to want to uh, come to you in this way. And I want to hear what it was like for you. And I hope in time that we can have a good relationship, whatever words. And just imagine doing that. And imagine them really hearing your sincerity. And then going the other way. Suppose somebody, you sense that somebody uh, realizes that they've acted unskillfully and they come to you. See if you're willing or able to open your heart. You can't do it before you're ready. So if there's hurt or there's trauma, uh, don't go where you're not ready to go. But if somebody is sincerely wanting to make amends, see if you can open your heart to see their confusion or their ignorance. And if it's possible to forgive them. Hatred never ceases by hatred. Hatred only ceases by love. This is an ancient and eternal law. Okay, so we can open it up now and if there are any comments, questions, um, things that come up from that, um, you can just unmute yourself and, and speak up. I have a question, James. Yeah. Um, I, I love the story and your talk. Um, and I, the four steps sort of seems to me like the best case scenario. But what if you're, you know, questioning whether you did something wrong or you're defensive, you know, all the things that make it difficult? I wonder how you work with that. How would you work with it in your in your best moments? Well, Realistically, I think the best thing is for me to take a pause and to come back to it another day, if possible, the conversation another day um, after I've had time to work with my emotions and reflect on it without being reactive. 
that's the best that's the best i've figured out <laughs> well that's a good start it, I, I think that's probably one of the wisest first courses of strategy. It's not necessarily what I've done, but that's what I think I should have done. Well, you know, it's as long as you're learning, there are no mistakes. So, and, and the thing, what I find is it's never too late or maybe in some instances it is, but, uh, but often when we see our part, and usually, as I said, there's there's a dance between people. So it's rarely just one person's fault, but there is something that happened and then there's a reaction about what happened. And even if you're just starting to just starting to see your part in it, like like the guy who made the offense but didn't realize it. And at first he said, I didn't have it make an offense. And he says, well, you know, I could see, I didn't know, but you know, I contributed in some way. I did something wrong and I'm sorry. If you can just start for that thaw, that wall to thaw a bit and, uh, or, or to, to loosen a bit and see your part without saying, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you my part if you tell me yours. It doesn't work that way because it's your vulnerability that opens somebody else's heart. And just like you said, if you're not ready to go there, you one of the wisest things you might do is saying, you know, let me just sit with this. I really want to take in what you're saying and I want to just sort out, there's so many feelings going on here. Just give me a little time and I want to come back to you. If somebody said that to you, you'd probably be willing to do that. So I think that's a really good start. Thank you. And just the, the last thing I'd say is, look at the look at the alternative to keep that heart closed and bitter or defensive and angry you know they might be having a great time at tahoe or hawaii and you think about them and you get angry you know so you're doing it for yourself oh i don't want to carry around that yucky feeling and so the alternative is to see it would be so much less mental energy if we can clean things up um so you're doing it not just for them but you're doing it for yourself too good luck Anyone else? Yeah, Nancy. Yeah. Um, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Fine. Very well. Um. So there's the thing about um. I get the apology, and I I get the um not asking for forgiveness. I, I love that because it's like you know you expect something from them, but just mm -hmm. apologizing, you know, mm -hmm. if you get the forgiveness, it's a bonus. But what if it's somebody who's not even conscious of uh their unskillful acts, and it feels like I, I want to say to this person, I forgive you, mm. but that sounds really condescending too. Um, and I know that I've forgiven, you know, her in my heart. I don't have anger or hatred anymore. And, um, but do you just let it go? Is that enough? <laughs> do you have a ritual and write a letter and burn it? Or, or do you bring it up with this person? Do you, you know, what what uh, what feels right for you? Well, the easy way is just to let it go, and <laughs> because it's um, 
it feels like it'll just drag it back up and I'm afraid wounds will open up again. And if this person just doesn't feel like she sees it and is clear from her continued actions um, that she's not getting it. And I pray for her and I, I trying to be kind and, but I don't know if it's a cop out just to let it be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and, and have you, you brought this up with the, the person already? Um, well, uh, she's my sister. I see her reasonably mm -hmm. amount. We're not close anymore. And, um, I don't even know. Yeah. It came up many times in the past. Um, I tried and, but there was a lot of emotion and anger. And mm -hmm. So what, and sort of, do you, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just like water under the bridge now, I guess. I don't know. It's this, it's been his, his while. And do you, um, do you sense that she would like to have a, a good relationship with you? I don't know. And would you I like mean, we, we, we are nice to each other and, and we treat each other uh, with, with, um, in a cordial way and we mutually um mm -hmm. do family things um mm -hmm. and i'm not interested in until i feel that she's becoming more conscious i'm not really interested in reconstructing anything you know yeah. i hope someday maybe we can have something new but mm -hmm. well you know and sometimes you just have to be right where uh, except that the person is where they are in their lack of consciousness. Right. But if somebody it said to you, hey, yeah, I really would like to have as good a connection with you as is possible. This still gets in the way. I don't know what to do about it because I really care about you. What can we, how can we, I want to move through it. Um, help me here. Can we talk it out? And you give it a really good shot. If they can feel your intention is to really have a better relationship and that you're just stuck in this way, maybe the heart can open. No guarantees, of course, mm -hmm. but maybe... And if not, they say, hey, I don't want to go there. Okay, then the forgiveness comes in a whole other way. Not, not I forgive you, but in your heart, you forgive them for, for being just right, right where they are and not able to, to see clearly yet. Mm -hmm. And you can still care about them and wish them well, uh, but just know that they're not, it's not going to have that connection that you'd like. And so you forgive their confusion and their unknowing. Okay. That sounds great. Mm. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I can hear, I can hear your, that it's still there and that there's the, the reason it's still there. I sense is that you would like it to be different. You'd like to open up your heart too. To her if you could if she was willing to see you'd like it to be better than it is yeah absolutely but i'm also a little afraid yeah well and <laughs> i'm afraid of getting the scab ripped off the wound you know yeah, like and that, her being cruel yeah and that that's that's important to really take care of yourself as you need to uh but if it if you can give it a, a shot where hey i just i really wish we could have a better relationship it just takes a moment for the heart to to open uh and if it doesn't feel safe enough then you just uh, you need to forgive from from a distance yeah. okay okay great thank you thanks <laughs> okay time time for us to go eve maybe we have a a minute for for the last uh dedication
sleeping bee, our minds as one and radiant with light. Share the fruits of peace with hearts of goodness, luminous and bright. If people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity, may our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward, may all who sorrow leave our grief and pain. May this boundless light meet the darkness of our sacred night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate and wise. May all become compassionate and wise. Thanks, Eve and, and everyone. Uh, and I, I want to remind you, if you want to contribute to um, to that COVID relief, uh, just go to my, my PayPal and Venmo and put in India COVID relief uh, in the next uh, day or two, and I'll, I'll send it all to him um, for that work in India. So uh, may our coming here together be for the benefit of, of all beings everywhere. May all know true happiness and peace. Okay, so I'm gonna stop the recording and Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.